Hello and welcome back to French Football Weekly, the podcast. My name is Chris, I am your host and no witty intro this week because we've got lots to cover. Uh, just joined by Jeremy this week. Jess, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah. You're good? Yeah, yeah, not bad. It's not bad, mate. I'm, I'm sort of I come to the realisation this morning that it's going to be like no football. And I know that sounds silly because there is going to be football, but not what we're used to. So it, it just seems, seems and feels a bit weird. But um, yeah, we'll come on to that in a minute, I'm sure. Uh, yes, Phil is um, not with us again this week. Um, she's got a few bits and bobs to, to tie up. So um, sending our best to her. But Jez and I will do our best this week to uh, we're going to do a bit of a what we call a halftime or half term report uh, where we're going to kind of go through not maybe every club, but try and work our way through Liga. And uh, and then we're going to do a little bit about France, because obviously this week sees the kickoff of the World Cup. So um, I'm going to read down the results for the last round of Liga and games before the break. And then we will kick through these teams. So on Friday night, we saw Leon and Nice draw 1-1. They exchanged penalties in this game. Nicola Pepe scored the second time of asking after Anthony Lopez has saved his initial effort, uh, but that was deemed to be uh, encroachment off the line. And then Alex Lacazette uh, equalised with, a, a, I think, personally, a rather questionable penalty award for Leon in the last minute to make that 1-1-1 draw. Uh, Lens continued their winning run to end off the first half of the season as they came from behind to beat Clermont. Uh, Abdul Samid's own goal put the away side in front, but Wesley Said and Seiko Fafana, I think it's his first touch as he, as he uh, got onto the end to finish, and that was a good win for Lens. Uh, also, keeping up their good form as we head into this break is Ren, or R. Ren, I should say, Benjamin Burrigo, keeping up his good form equally to put them in front. Delinga equalising for Toulouse before Callum Wendo getting the winner just into the or 20 minutes into the second half. And then on to Sunday, I think Osea will be quite happy to put this one behind them as PSG ran out 5-0 winners. Mbappe, Carlos Soler, Akraf, Akraf Hakimi, uh, Renato Sanchez and Hugo Ekitike with the goals in this game. Uh, it's, it's a game that saw a couple of uh, minutes for, well, or half the game for Messi, Neymar and Mbappe before they were all replaced. No injuries to report there, but one notable injury situation in that game, which we will maybe come back to later on. And Norton Ajaxio, this was all going according to plan for Ajaxio at least. Belali's penalty and Roman Hamuma had the away side 2-0 in front, but Ludwig Blas and Moses Simon with a maybe slightly fortuitous cross-come shot in the last minute broke the hearts of the Corsicans and uh, kind of a draw that doesn't suit either of these two teams at the wrong end of the table. Uh, Lille uh, made or sort of further piled on the pressure on Angers as uh, they sit bottom. Thiago Jallo getting the winning goal in this game. Uh, Beleba was sent off for Lille, but it didn't make any difference. And it's a 1-0 win for the home side. Montpellier Arras drew one all. Monetzi got the opener for Arras in the, in the uh, 87th minute only to see Delay get the equaliser for Montpellier, the youngster coming off the bench to score the equaliser in, I think it's the 91st or 92nd minutes. So it's all happening late on in that one. Brest got a much-needed victory at home to Troyes. Uh, Roman de Castillo with a penalty, equalised by a Brennan Chardonnay own goal. And then Steve Munier also scoring from the spot to secure the points. Mamabal, they saw red in that one. Strasbourg and Lorient drew one all. And Terra Murphy put Lorient ahead. Should have scored a second, but unfortunately didn't. And as such, Lorient were punished late on as Habib, uh, Habib Diel equalised in the 87th minute um, after some mm, questionable defending, I would have to say. And then finally, probably the game of the weekend saw Monaco lose at home, which was rather surprising. Marseille. Um, maybe we're, dri- we're sort of driven on by the circumstances of this particular game, which again we may touch on a bit later on. Um, horrific injury to, I mean, Harit. Marseille had gone in front through Alexis Sanchez's free kick with Sam Benyeda equalised from the spot. Oh, you meant a dodgy uh, ref. <laughs> yeah, dodgy ref. There, there was a very, very questionable free kick award at the end of this game. Kevin Volland had put Monaco 2 in front. Jordan Veratu, of all people, I think it was the first goal in 60-odd games at club level with the 83rd-minute equaliser. And then, as Jez alluded to there, a very questionable free kick awarded to substitute Dimitri Payet uh, in the 96th minute as he put the ball on the head of Saeed Kolasinac uh, to score. Couldn't do that. In the big one, though, eh, Syed? Anyway, good win for Marseille to uh, draw out that particular 
uh, of this particular part of the season. So, just let's um, let, let's let's sort of work our way down the table then uh, with the with this this section or this half of the season done. PSG sit top of the league, obviously. Uh, I say obviously, but most people will know that they are favourites for the league. They're five points clear. This is going to be a bit of a whistle-stop tour down the league, but um, much to add to PSG other than they are where they should be. I guess it's all about that Bayern Munich tide, really, isn't it, when they come back? Yeah, I mean, all I've got to say is kind of lots of what we've been saying before, that um, I still think the defence is dodgy, and so I still worry a little bit um, when they come to bigger, better opposition, such as Bayern Munich, obviously. Yeah, But... <laughs> That front three on their day can be anyone, but as I said the last couple of weeks, it depends what that front three is, what state they're in mentally and physically after the World Cup. Um, and crucially, they obviously need service. And that's where I think PSG are definitely in a better position than they have been in the previous previous years and that they've got they've actually got a midfield to speak of. Um, it's not just Ferrati holding the fort. Vitinha has been great. I think Soler and Ruiz are both coming into things as well. So I do think that they look definitely better than last year. Probably, I think, better than the year that they sort of scraped their way a little bit, luckily, into the final. Um, but there are still a couple of question marks. But I, th- yeah, I think not just on the pitch. I think Gautier is showing a bit more maybe tactical flexibility than other coaches have shown in the past. So I, I don't think they're in a bad way at all. But I'm still not on. And on their day, they can beat anyone. But I still think that certain teams could beat them as well. So they're definitely among the contenders. But I'm still not sure they're sort of favourites of Champions League. And mm. in terms of Liga, it's not much to say. You know, when they've got their heads even semi together, they're obviously far too good for everyone else there, or far too rich, let's say. Yeah, yeah, far too many resources, and you do wonder if they might even further strengthen in uh, in January when they come back, depending on the the fortunes of the World Cup. I think I tweeted on Saturday. I think I worked out there was 12, 12 internationals at PSG going to this World Cup. And, uh, and several other internationals obviously staying at home because their nations didn't qualify or they weren't called up. Um, let's look at the best of the they're rest. Injured. Then we're gonna, yeah, or well, they're injured. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll um, look at the best of the rest and we'll group together six clubs here Lens, Rennes, Marseille, Lorient, and Monaco. Your kind of overall thoughts on the chase for those European places. Fair to say that my bias aside, Lorient are the unexpected name in that group. The others, maybe slightly excluding Lons, who are a little bit higher than we may have expected them to be. But the other five, or the other, yeah, the other five, would you sort the other four, I should say, would you expect those to be still challenging and, and have either have any of those group of teams either surprised or, or under-delivered, in your opinion, in the first half of this season? Lorient obviously have over-delivered. Um, the last few matches, I think, is it five without a win now? And I think they've shown sort of, yeah. I mean, they've been a bit un- unlucky with injuries, but also maybe a couple of times shown a little bit of sort of naivety, but um, like this weekend. But um, generally, you know, they, you have to say they've definitely overachieved. Mm. Um, I would arguably say that Marseille have overachieved. I'm not sure that I expected them to, to be doing this well, considering that all the sort of bad blood that there seemed to be at the start of the season. And mm. as we said, I still think there's there's things under the surface there. You know, Payet comes on for however many minutes yesterday, sets up two, although I think, you know, despite... Pierce and Allen waxing lyrical about his first assist. I'm not sure he even meant to pass it. I think he just miscontrolled it, to be honest. But whatever, stats go down as two assists in a little over 10 minutes. Um, if next match, you know, all bets are off because it's the World Cup. But in theory, if next match he's back on the bench, he's not going to be happy, I don't think. But so I, I still don't think everything's perfect there. And I still don't think the football's brilliant. But I think they're doing better than they should than I expected them to. Lance, I feel like the test is now because 
the last couple of seasons they've started very well and maybe fallen away a little bit. Um, this year, I think they don't have as many players on World Cup duty as other teams. Um, and their type of football means that they're obviously going to tire. So arguably this World Cup falls best for them or better for them than anyone else. Um, so I'm really interested to see just how long they can maintain a sort of European challenge. I think certainly last year, I think they were very unlucky to finish seventh. I know the table doesn't lie in all those cliches, but uh, I don't think there were six teams better than them in the league last year. Um I think they're a little bit unfortunate. So I'm, I'm, I almost said I'm hoping. God, that's almost like a swear word than talking about last. But um, I, if there's any justice in the world, I, I think you know they'll they'll definitely finish higher this year, and and it would be nice for them to to sort of have a real European tilt. Um, who's left? Ren, as I said, mm. I think. They started the season disappointingly, and I don't know if it was because of sort of a little bit of doubt about who was still going to be there come the end of the transfer window. But I think I've said right from the start that I think they've got a stronger squad than almost everyone apart from PSG. Um, really exciting going forward, solid enough in defence and midfield. So I think the start of the season was a disappointment and they're now obviously back on track, very much so, although extremely lucky to go away with that draw last week. Um, you know, they're, they're showing character, they're showing they can win in different ways, like either put teams to the slaughter or, um, you know, coming back from from behind or being pegged back as they as they were this this weekend. So, I, yeah, I, th I think they're in a very good state. The fact that, you know, Terrier Bouijor, Callum Wendeau weren't picked for the France squad against, again works to their advantage, I think. So um, I expect them definitely to be challenging. And then Monaco, I think maybe of all those teams are the only sort of really disappointing one. Because again, I think they've got a strong squad. They should probably be doing slightly better than they are. Mm. But also, I, I don't know, I mean, <clears throat> without like sitting and looking really seriously at the stats, in Belgium, I follow Saint-Gilois just because they're owned by the same owner as, as Brighton and they've almost turned into a bit of a feeder club for Brighton. Um, last season, they, they sort of won the... They have that stupid system in Belgium where even if you finish top of the table, it doesn't mean you've won the league because then they have some crappy playoff system. Oh, yeah, the mini-league, um, yeah. yeah. So, Sajidou, I finished top of the league, but at one point they were miles ahead. Um, in the end, they they didn't win it by much and then they lost in the playoffs to, I think it was Club Bruges, um, because Club Bruges went on an amazing run in the second half of the season which coincidentally basically started when Philippe Clement left the club. Mm. So, you know, I'm not convinced that at the time it was a little bit of an out there appointment and he certainly hasn't done badly, but I'm not sure he's really doing the best with what he's got. And, you know, yesterday was certainly a, a strange choice to play De Sassi uh, right back, I thought. And I don't know, against, against Marseille at home, I'd have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more, uh, not ambition. I mean, they, they, you know, they, they weren't doing badly and I think they were very unlucky to lose. Arguably on the second half would have felt a little bit hard done by with a draw, but it still seemed a quite defensive way to go. And um, yeah, I still think he makes some strange decisions at times. I'm not absolutely convinced about him or about where Monaco are going to finish, even though I think they've got the squad to finish sort of top three, top four. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They're kind of just on the outskirts of the, the top end in European places at the moment in six with that defeat last night. Um, grouping together another batch of teams, then seventh down to 12th. We got Lille, Lyon, Nice, Clermont, Raz, Toulouse in that order, taking the, the top two of that block, if you like, Lille and Lyon. Both teams that are maybe struggling to find consistency. We know that, that Leon will probably be a different team under Laurent Blanc in the second half of the season, you would expect anyway. He's got quite a lot of players to work with while some go to the World Cup. He still has plenty left behind. 
and much the same with Lille, maybe slightly underperforming, but under a new manager, still sort of not finding their feet because I feel like they've had enough time to do that now, but still transitioning, I think it's fair to say. And then Nice, if you put in in that bracket of sort of the bigger clubs, quote unquote, um, a lot of speculation around Ineos potentially making changes during the World Cup break. There's still discussions around Lucien Favre's uh, future or lack thereof, potentially. Would you say those three will be looking at this first half of the season and thinking they're maybe a little bit below where they should be? Um, definitely Leon Nice. Lille, I can't decide. I think it's not the first time we said that their problem is that they start the season with a very different team to the one that finished the last. Mm. Um, and, you know, they, you lose important players. They did very well to keep David, obviously, but they did lose a couple of important players. It did feel like they, you know, they needed that time to adjust, to bed some players in for the coach and his ideas to, to be bedded in as well. Um, I'm trying to remember, who, who was their coach last year? My mind's gone completely blank. Uh, Leo. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness me. Um, oh God. <laughs> I've done the same thing. Hang on. Give me two seconds. That's so bizarre. I can picture him in my mind. This is what happens when you. What does he look like? <laughs> um, oh, actually, am I thinking of the same person? I don't know if I'm thinking of. Wasn't it Gorvenek? Was it Gorvenek? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, maybe it was. He started this. Yeah. Good, good lord. Okay, I'm, I'm literally cracking up. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Crikey, French, <laughs> French Football Weekly, everybody. How you doing? <laughs> We've got an anyway. Excuse. I, I think Lille's recent form has been really good, and and you know, even the the last couple of matches, I'm not even sure that they've always got exactly what they deserved. Um, mm. There was that match, you know, Lyon. I think they were unlucky to to lose. Um, that that Ren match last week, as I said, I think they were they were completely robbed. Um, I mean, to be fair, Mondonza had a great match, but then, um, yeah, was it a Ren penalty that was never a penalty? Um, no. So, yeah, arguably they, you know all things being equal, they could easily be sort of five points better off than they are right now. And you look at the recent recent matches, you know, apart from that, that those two matches, it's um, four wins. And and I think it shows that Fonseca is settling, the players are settling. And, and yeah, I think, you know, considering earlier in the season, they were, they lost at home 7-1, albeit to PSG. They lost to Nice when Nice were really in the doldrums. They, they, it looked pretty bad. So mm. um, I think they should be pretty happy with where they are. And, and look again, another team looking to sort of build in the second half of the season. Lyon, I think it's difficult unless they bring players in in January. Um, I don't think it's necessarily, I'm not sort of casting aspersions on Blanc, but I just think things are really messy there. And I'm not sure anyone would be capable of turning things around even in a sort of extended winter break if a World Cup break, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. You know, I know that he's a bit of a sort of <laughs> um, target of mine, but, you know, just taking someone like Awa, who sort of first match back, looked great. The last two matches, both of them, I think he's got three out of ten in Lekip, which says everything you want to know. Um, okay. I still think they haven't quite found the balance with the forward players. Um do you want the sort of industry of Toko Kambi, but the more erratic finishing? Or do you want the Lacazettes and Dembele's who are better finishers but aren't going to get into the game maybe so much? Um, yeah, midfield, you've got a lot of people of around the same level, but how many of them are really, really top level? There's still issues of defence and who the, who the best defence is. Um, and yet again, the much maligned for some reason by everyone in the French media, Lopez is the one who seems to quietly be holding the fort. But, mm. So I think, yeah, I think there's issues there. Nice, a little bit like Lille, everything looks so bleak at the start of the season, but actually their their recent form has been pretty impressive. I don't think they've lost for quite, for quite a while now. Um, relatively unlucky to, to only draw in the end to, to Lyon. 
as you said, it was a dodgy penalty. I think their penalty wasn't 100% clear-cut either, but mm. they sort of held Leon at bay until Leon had run out of ideas and it looked like they were on for a win. But yeah, they've only only one defeat and that was in, in Europe since sort of beginning of October. That's yeah, that's a that's decent run of form and, and far, you know, to give him his credit, considering we've criticised him so much, hasn't been brilliant football. And yeah. arguably with the squad he's got, he still should be doing better, but he is turning it around. Yeah. So... Yeah, I know. I'm sort of saying it about a lot of clubs, but I think there's sort of reasons to look to the second half of the season with a bit of positivity. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And and uh, apologies, listeners, but yes, um, Chaz and I clearly have had a long Monday. Jocelyn Govanek was uh, July 21 till June 22. So I think it's just surprising he managed to last the whole season. I was just, just going to say that exact same thing. For some reason in my head, I thought there was some sort of interim manager because I felt like he went in January, but he didn't. Um, so yeah, we're, we're clearly cracking up, but um, thank God for uh, thank God for the internet. <laughs> anyway, um, any any words for those other three clubs? I mean, at the risk of alienating our Claremont rounds and Toulouse listeners, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be at least one. Um, I mean, Claremont probably overperforming Toulouse, arguably as well in rounds. Probably all three of them. Their aim will be to stay up this season. Mm. So um, by that rationale, I suppose all three of them have got to be reasonably happy with where they are. I think Clermont have definitely exceeded expectations. And yeah. like Lorient, Lorient have been doing it, playing decent football, I think. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, yeah. Prince hasn't always been good football. And, and it's, they're very much sort of limited by their model of, um, you know, producing young players and then selling them on. Um, so, you know, obviously Ekitike was the, the big star last year. Couple of other strikers have left as well. Um, Zanelli's never really refound his form since his bad injury. So um, there's there's limitations there. And I know that you know when Garcia left, the, the chairman sort of said, you know, this is the most we've ever spent in the transfer window. You should be doing better. But frankly, I think you know comfortably mid table, comfortably as in eleventh. I mean, it's relatively tight, so they're only five points off the relegation zone. But um, Four actually, because four go down, don't they? But um, I think they've got to be happy with where they are. I'm not sure either Clermont or Orgnas would have expected that. And Toulouse, I think on paper, as I said, you know, first year back, they've got to think just staying up is is the main thing, and then we'll build from there. But actually, I kind of find their position a little bit disappointing, considering the the sort of exciting attacking football that they play, and they they. You know, last season they really did look too good for Ligue 2. They've got some really talented players there. I I would have actually been expecting them to do slightly better than they are. But they yeah. can't, you know, I don't think anyone there will complain too much if they finish the season 12th and comfortably clear of relegation. Yeah, yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with you. I think it's always that kind of expectation level, isn't it, when a club gets off to a good start and then... It doesn't quite continue. I suppose there is that, but I, f- I feel like exactly what you said there. I feel like all three clubs are probably in in the right spots. And if you gave all three of those clubs a finish tomorrow, I think they'd all take it right now. Um, going down to just above the relegation zone, we find the, the group from thirteenth to sixteenth, which is Trois, Montpellier, Nantes, and Brest. Would it be fair to say Montpellier and Nantes are the two? standouts from those particular teams in terms of underperforming Montpellier I think without a win in six now Nantes uh, without a win in four and narrowly scraping that draw at the weekend both those two are massively underperforming I think it would be fair to say at the moment right yeah definitely I mean I think I felt like last season was a little bit of an outlier for Nantes I think it was you know winning the cup maybe hid a lot of issues still on the pitch and certainly off the pitch and maybe this season is actually falling a little bit back into rank, but you'd still be expecting them to do better than where they are, especially sort of building on last season. And especially they've still got some, you know, decent experienced players and some very good players, you know, amazing that Blas is still there. Yeah. Um, Simon Simon still has his moments. They, they don't have sort of, prolific goal scorers but they share the goals around they've obviously got Lafont and an experienced defence so they should be doing better even if it's not always going to be scintillating I think 
their positions disappointing. And Montpellier is certainly disappointing. I mean, they're they sort of blooding a few youngsters, but you'd ex- still be expecting them to do better. You know, I think Dalolio has been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, I, I, when he joined, I sort of really expected good things. I thought Montpellier, there's a little bit more of a base there than, than Brest to kind of really impose his, his quality football. And it hasn't really, it didn't really work out. So yeah, it's not, they're arguably, arguably, if you look at the whole table, maybe Lyon and then Montpellier, possibly the the most disappointing, well, we haven't got Strasbourg yet, but the most disappointing positions overall. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, Montpellier, I, I just, I can't work out what's going wrong there because I look at that squad and there are a number of really talented younger players. Like you say, there's experienced players like, like your Savaniers. It just hasn't been working this season. But um, yeah, I think Phil will be happy that this part of the season is done for her point of view. Um, and just briefly on on Brest and, and Troyes, again, I think Troyes have impressed at times this season. I think they, they, they've been winless for, I think it's five games now, but Overall, they've they've been pretty consistently consistent, shall we say? I think they've maybe slightly overperformed. And Brest, I, I think probably we would say that they're a side that shouldn't be going down, but maybe should be right on the edge of going down, which is exactly where they are. That win for them in particular, I think yesterday was was key, wasn't it, to just nudge them out of that group of teams, albeit by goal difference. But two yeah, clubs I think that was a big win. Tonight. I mean, trois suspended or sat their their coach this week which yeah to me I mean yeah okay they haven't won for a while but I think they've you know you look at their defeats that since since their last win none have been by more than one goal mm. they've been against the likes of Nice PSG against whom they scored three away from home yeah um okay Brest but he was sat before the Brest match I I thought but just before that you know before their last win they only lost one nil at Lens I, th- I think they they they've won at Monaco. I I think it was a re- really harsh decision unless there was more to it. And again, I think they've they've done it playing better football than I'd have expected from them. So, mm. um, you know, it might be a case that they'll look back at the end of the season and say, "Be careful what you wish for," because thirteenth at this stage, and you know, could have been if they'd held on when well, no, it was a draw. They would came back from behind but you know had they won yesterday 17th up up into sort of 11th spot it's looking very very different mm-hmm. um so yeah i i was really shocked at that and i think they've for me they've actually overachieved and then breast as you said that's that's a huge win you know lose that match they're second from bottom going into the world cup which shows how close it is at the bottom um yeah. again i think that the players they've got yeah they're always going to be sort of nearer the bottom of the table but I don't think they should be in a relegation fight and um you know they, they Belayli really seems like a um no Belayli left there didn't he sorry um yeah I, I think they've got enough quality and enough firepower that they should be able to stay up so actually 16th for them well considering where they were before the weekend um was very is good enough, but I think they've underachieved a little bit so far. Yeah, yes, it's good enough in terms of the season they've been having, I guess, where they could could be. But if you just said at the start of the season they'd have been down there, I, I think I'd have had them around sort of tenth, eleventh, not as low down as they are. Uh, which leads got, I mean, to... it might not be a deep squad, but they've got some real quality players there, quality yeah. league out players who, again, are not going to sort of. Um, set the world alight but it should be more than enough to stay up mm. yeah it's, it's almost like what happens to a club isn't it when they're just not when they're just not in form and then that not in form turns into a long run of out of form and then this is where they end up um that kind of leads us to the bottom four at the moment Osser promoted last season Ajaxio promoted last season and then there's the two uh, sort of larger or more established clubs. We did quite a bit on Angers last week. They they actually took the lead at Lille, but it was, I believe, ruled out for offside. And you just wonder how big a moment that was because they conceded almost uh, literally minutes after that and lost that game at Lille. We mentioned Strasbourg. I mean, three draws in the last five has, has sort of 
kind of clawed their way up the table slightly. They were they were fortunate, I thought, against Lorient purely because Lorient missed at least two, uh, one in particular, guilt edge chance to make it 2-0, and that was game over, um, and arguably missed a couple more chances as well. And then got that late equaliser, which might just keep Julian Stefani's job for now anyway. But the, those two in particular, if we assume that Osea and, and Ajaxio are going to struggle, which I think we, we did say at the start of the season, they would. But Strasbourg and Angers, I mean, that's particularly Strasbourg, but that's two clubs that, that have to be looking to get their ducks in a row over this break because they're going to go otherwise. Is that is that fair or am I being too harsh? No, it's fair. I mean, I, the only thing I'll say is that as we discussed last week and, and Thomas got in touch afterwards, he's um friend of the show and, and big Angers fan, he said basically everything we said about, you know, losing all that experience and, and just the mess off the pitch is all true. He said the, the only thing is that he would put a little bit of blame on, on Batik, that he thinks that um, um, he's not motivating the players sufficiently. But I, yeah, as I said, I, I always worried for them just because it was such a huge thing to get rid of so much of ex- experience in one, in one go, as well as players, you know, crucial players like Fulgini, like Cho. Um, so, I, yeah, I was always worried for them. Ajaxio and Oze are always going to be down there, I think, and, and fighting hard. Uh, I'd like to think Oze have got enough quality maybe just about to survive Ajaxio. I think, as we said last week, they've got to be looking in terms of sort of winning their sort of mini-league and, you know, letting a two-goal lead slip, albeit at Nantes, is, is a, you know, that, that might come back to haunt them. You know, win win that, and they're they're ahead of none, and that you know it puts a very different complexion on on things going into into the break. Um, so I expect them both to be down there, but I think maybe they've got a little bit of fight. Strasbourg are the ones that obviously a huge disappointment. I think they they finished sixth or something last year, and and that kind of drop off. Okay, they've had some injuries, but they've got a decent deep squad, a supposedly great manager. They should be doing so much better than that, and. As you said, three draws out of four, you know, at least they've sort of stemmed the flow, but it's still not good enough. And and I suppose the fact that some of those draws are sort of comeback draws, I think, you know, this weekend, I think maybe against Toulouse as well, mm. unless it was the other way around, I can't remember. Um, you know, at least shows some character, but it's even then, you know, they shouldn't be sort of fighting those 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 battles they, they've got enough quality that they should be sort of beating teams not you know having to come back and scrape to a draw mm. yeah they, they they did show some uh to lose in particular show some heart this weekend because i thought they were quite unfortunate um one, got that one win. win all season for a team that finished sixth last year and haven't lost that many players and mm. they've still got that forward line including gamero that's just shocking yeah, yeah. And, and Gamero, you know, he's still got it. Like, I, I personally feel like, you know, when you look, look at him in game, he's still, I know he's getting up there in years, but he's still got that knack of of, of goal scoring. You're almost sort of in that Benyeda Lacazette camp of goal scorer, but needs service and hasn't really had it. But yeah, I, I would agree with, with everything you said there. And in, in terms of the other two, I mean, much to say, or oh, sorry, not much to say in the nicest possible ways, but Osea and Ajaxio, they are just going to be looking to finish 16th, aren't they? That That's going to be their objective in the second half of the season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, poss- maybe, you know, behind the scenes, Ozen might have been looking to finish a little bit higher, but realistically, I think that they'd take that. And Ajaxio absolutely would have taken that. And what I mistakenly said about Brest, I think, you know, Belayli might turn out to be a masterstroke and, um, and could be the difference for Ajaxio. Mm. But, um, yeah, as I said, that you know, hold on to that win at the weekend, and and things are very different. They suddenly, you know, like like Brest did against Troyes. It's so yeah. close down there that it only takes one or two wins, one or two defeats to either push you clear or leave you in serious trouble. And and those points could be crucial at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. I saw saw Jackson go one up, and I immediately tuned into that, and I saw him go two up. I thought, crikey, we've got a story on here, and then. Obviously, not ended up uh, pulling the draw out of the fire for, like I said, a, a, from the off, a draw that really didn't do either club any favours. Um, to be fair to 
both teams, I suppose, in their own way. Nantes' first goal was fantastic. I thought. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is a fair point. Did you did you think Simon's was a little bit fortuitous? Um, some think it's a cross. Some people think it's very cleverly picked out. Oh, it was definitely a cross. It's just a question of whether I can't remember who it was got a touch to it in the centre. Mm. I don't think, yeah, I, I, as you said, it sort of seemed to be, it's one of those corridor of uncertainty places, isn't it? Put it into yeah, it was a good, it was a good cross, but um, it was no way it was a shot. No, no, agreed. Agreed. Uh, so that, they, that's kind of our, our half-term report. So we didn't want to go too deep in because, you know, there's, there's a lot that can change between now and the resumation of the, uh, of the league in December, but um just a couple of little tidbits. Kylian Mbappe is, is currently the top scorer with 12 goals, just in front of Neymar, funny enough, on 11. Tara Moffi is up there on 10, which is lovely. Um, in terms of the assists calculation, Lionel Messi leads the way there with 10. Neymar also banging forward with nine. Remy Cabela, rather surprisingly, up there with five, but I think three were in one game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and in terms of the disciplinary columns, this is always the fun one. Samuel Gigo. Uh, three yellows, two reds. Love it. Roman Hamuma, somewhat surprisingly, same stats as is Jean-Claude Tadebo, who's had one of them seasons, although he did sign a new contract recently, so good for him. Uh, and then but he the, had that uh, one eight seconds. He did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. which he uh, won't, won't thank us for bringing up. Uh, somewhat surprisingly, Sergio Ramos, uh, only three yellows and one red this season. Um, although he has got that weird record of not being sent off in his career until this year. So there you go. Very briefly, we're not going to go into any detail, but I just want to give a quick update on League 2. Uh, close your ears, Jess. Um, Leov are currently top of League 2 coming into the break. They've got 32 points. They are four clear of Bordeaux. Remember them? Little Bordeaux, plucky little Bordeaux on the way back, maybe. Uh, they've got 28 points. Sosho. In third, Grenoble Foods are fourth, Khan up in fifth, and Valenciennes in sixth. Uh, your boys in, in eighth, Jez. It's not all bad, two, two straight victories. So, you know, there's, there's progress there. We, we can still still go on a run. Um, yeah, I got a chance. I mean, Mikatowski got a hat trick at the weekend, if you, two of them penalties, but still, if you maintain form like that. 4 1 win at Paris FC, wasn't it? Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. It could be worse. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say that um, <laughs> if I said the words Etienne to you, uh, I, I, I've genuinely I knew they were struggling, but I, I, I tweeted on Saturday. I, I looked up their sort of statistics. They are currently bottom of League Deux. Um, they lost at home to Rodet at the weekend. Eleven points. They've conceded twenty-eight goals from their fifteen games. Um, that that is now catastrophe situation, isn't it? For a club of that size and that history to be bottom of the table, I mean that is. <laughs> we I think I said in an exchange with Phil um, that it was you know like Bordeaux with a story last year and they've gone under the radar, but just very briefly, that's that's what that is. Panic stations for Saint Etienne, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they've just announced that um, Laurent Bat is going to stay as stay as coach, which I'm a little bit surprised about. Mm, but I suppose, too. you know, at the same time, it's quite nice for a club to to acknowledge that maybe not everything is the is the club's fault. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. As you said, you know, there were the two, okay, Mess were a bit of a farce as well, but the, you know, the two real crisis clubs of last year were, were Bordeaux and Saint-Étienne and, and you have to say uh, Bordeaux a lot more than Saint-Étienne and, you know, that one is is second in the table and they've quietly got their act together. The mm-hmm. other one, um, rock bottom and yeah, okay, they had a small points deduction, but it was small and, you know, even without that deduction, I think they'd, they'd still be bottom two. It's mm-hmm. nowhere near good enough and, and they've got, they don't have a horrific squad for, for Ligue 2. They got they had got some decent experience. I mean, some of them, like Brian just doesn't seem to have worked out. They've got Crasso, who I think is top scorer in, in, in Ligue 2 at the moment, which, um, you know, it's rare that your top scorer is bottom of the table. Mm. Um, so they've got the tools there. So I, I don't, I don't know what, what what the issue is there, but there are issues and, and they need to sort them out soon because um, 
you know, we, we saw that Bordeaux were for a little while relegated to the national and basically said, you know, we wouldn't be able to survive if we were, if we went down that far. I don't know what Saint Etienne's what would happen to them if they went down to the third tier, but then we know that they're not in a great financial situation. So you have to really worry for them. And, and you know, it, if they go down sort of foot, footballistically rather than administratively, then it's going to be a lot harder for them to do any kind of dodgy jiggery pokery and get, get out of it <laughs> through various appeals. Yeah, agreed. And the natives are restless, a lot of clown masks in the main stand. Um, I think Phil tweeted me a picture of that on Saturday. So all is not well down there. Um, wanted to touch on that, but before we go, um, I know little one isn't very happy, so we're uh, we're going to wrap this one up in, in in a few minutes' time. But before we go, I did just want to touch on what's to come, and of course that being the World Cup in France. They get their campaign underway, Leblanc, on Tuesday, the twenty second of November, which is a week tomorrow at the time of us recording this on the 14th. Um, Australia is, is the first opposition, Socceroos. We don't really want to, I think we'll probably have a show out before the actual World Cup, so we'll preview it a bit more in that particular show. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on the changes that we've seen uh, on today's announcement. The squad has now gone up to 26. We've seen Axel Disasti replace um uh, President Kimpembe, who has been deemed not fit to join up or not of the sufficient fitness to join up, um, which is probably a good thing, dare I say it. Um, and we've also seen Marcus Turam get the call um, as, as another forward. You've got a theory on this, though, in terms of Karen Benzema's fitness, potentially. And, and what's your thoughts? Is Dezassi the right man? I know you have a question mark over him as well and he was the man that was at the centre of that unfortunate injury to Amin Harit which will see him miss the World Cup due to I believe it's an ACL injury um, so, uh, sorry cruciate ligament injury but yeah thoughts on, on the, those the Harit thing I think was a complete accident um, oh it was yeah yeah I know that um, Dishazi didn't win any more Marseille friends after the match by, by basically saying the referee sort of fixed the match in the last 15 minutes or so Um <laughs> I'm not sure he deserved all the sort of r- racist abuse that he received afterwards. Oh, absolutely not. No. So it was certainly an event. It's been an event for 12 knees. hours or so for him. But um, mm-hmm. I think that I liked Asazi. I was, I think I said at the time, I was surprised when Badia Shield was called up ahead of him in mm-hmm. for the last meetup. But now it's strange for, that um, Asazi's been called up ahead of Badia Shield. Yeah, so I'm not sure what Deshaun's playing out there, but I don't have any real objections to Desazi being in the squad. And as you know, I'm not Kimpembe's biggest fan, so I'm, I'm not devastated that he's not there. Um, my slight concern there is Deshaun likes to have a right-footed centre-back and a left-footed centre-back, and mm. he doesn't really have that. The only left-footed centre-back he has is Lucas Hernandez, and he said in a in a press conference today that he sees Lucas Hernandez as Teo Hernandez's backup at left back, not left-sided centre-back. So he was asked, well, who's going to be starting left-sided centre-back against Australia then? And he said Konate or Upamecano. Now, Upamecano, when he's been picked for France, looks very nervous. He plays well for Bayern which is not to be sniffed at, but he looks very nervous. Konate, I have to say, first of all, I haven't seen a lot of him playing for Liverpool, but whenever I saw him play for Leipzig, I did not rate him at all. I thought he looked like Bambi on ice, and I'm really nervous about him sort of being thrown into into the World Cup like that, especially if there's still a chance that Varane won't be fit for the first match. Deshaun Mm. said he hopes he will be, but he wasn't exactly um, confident. That's that's a big concern for me. Um, the only thing I would say, as I tweeted, is that seeing as there's no left-sided centre-backs, the, the Saliba-Varane dream partnership is maybe closer than we think. And, and yeah. I think I'd just retire from football if that happens. I'd be so happy. Um, I, feel, I feel like they should. Do you? I mean, I know I'm a bit biased, but... Oh, it would definitely be my choice. I think mm. purely by virtue of the fact that I think they are by a long way the 
France's two best centre-backs. Best two, yeah. And they complement each other's styles as well, I think. Like Varane, he's no slouch, but he's sort of the, you know, the experienced <clears throat> um, sort of leader, driver, um, you know, line caller, if you will. And Saliba gives you that option. He gives you that calmness and composure, but the ability to play out from the back as well, which I just don't feel like Canate or if Makana do. Hernandez maybe to a degree does. But yeah, well, I think I, that, again, I, I can't say for Kanate enough. I think Upamecano definitely is able to. I'm not sure to the same extent as Varane or um, or Saliba. And to be fair, I mean, Kempembe could do it to an extent as well. Yeah, true. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel I I don't know if Deschamps or likes the idea of one sort of, you know going back to '98 with, with Blanc Desai maybe one who's sort of more cultured with the ball and one who's got more physicality yeah. maybe he's thinking in those terms I don't know but it's just weird because it goes against everything he's always said yeah um, so I've got concerns there and then yeah the other call up was Turam yeah. <laughs> which on on form is deserved I mean it's interesting to see I think I said last week that the top two scorers in the Bundesliga are both French and I think the top assisters both top assisters are French as well yeah but on uh, yeah, in Deschamps' press conference, they said, um, "I think it was complete bullshit answer." Um, basically, why did you call out Marcus Turam? Is it because there's another attacking element in the squad that maybe isn't a hundred percent? And he said, "No, it's true. I made a first list of twenty-five. I had a deadline, but in my mind." I knew that there was going to be a 26. I wanted to wait until after to be able to kind of factor in this weekend. Um, I picked the player that I had in my mind last Wednesday. And to be fair, Turam scored a great goal at the weekend. Um, yeah, yeah. It's nothing to do with Karim or another striker. So no one asked about Karim and then <laughs> brought him up in the answer. So mm-hmm. read into that what you will. He hasn't. He just hasn't played, has he, Benzema, in recent times? And you know, uh, yeah. I, I personally, I just feel that if 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 he was going to be adding an extra player, the logical sense would be a fullback. You know, a, a Jonathan Klaus, for example, because that seems to be the area they're most like, or or arguably midfielder as well, if you want to go down that route. But yeah, I, I think I'm with you in in putting the tinfoil hat firmly on the head and saying something i don't expect benzema to start against australia let's put it that way i i would fully expect to see mbappe griezmann and, and Giroud as as the three if that's the way they're going to play um, i actually maybe... thought i've just checked he's not i actually thought Turan was left-footed which would have maybe he was going to be back up yeah he's right right foot, isn't he yeah, yeah. isn't callum wendo left-footed or am i making that up feel like he is i don't know i don't think he's ready i don't know no 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 i agree and i think the only other one that was in the picture was with sam Benyeda, who revealed a t-shirt last night and thanking his coach who said he should have gone um i think if there was ever any chance the fact that he did that basically eliminated that from happening because you know what this job is like i, but, I uh, think yes. Benyeda's had his chances yeah yeah um, I, I do like... maybe if we're in a match that goes to penalties or... <laughs> I, knew, I knew you couldn't help yourself I knew that was going good pen last night to be fair Penenka down the middle but uh, yeah I think I think really we have to move forward from from the older generation now but um, yeah. we will, uh, we I, will got, course... I mean I was on a sort of round table last week with a Danish fan a Tunisian fan and an Australian fan and I know that I'm always pessimistic about France and mm. to be fair the Tunisian correspondent he wasn't a Tunisian fan and the Australian fan were very negative about their teams as well strangely enough the Danish one wasn't um but I I really am worried I mean got absolutely no well first of all Denmark and Tunisia have experience of playing in Qatar and have experience of playing in higher temperatures Tunisia have got a big expat community in Qatar Mm which means that France will probably have sort of more people against them than they would have done anyway um, as a big nation. Um, Danish have obviously got a recent sort of hoodoo over the French after getting the double over them at the um, Nations League. Mm. Um, 
no acclimatization period, which I know is probably true for the other teams, but I just feel like it's something that France need, especially yeah, sort of temperatures wise. Mm. Um, although a friend of mine who's lived in Qatar and actually was more or less imprisoned in Qatar this time last year because of COVID, oh, said it's not it's not as bad at this time of year that as some people have been making out. Um, yeah. I think going back four years, our first match was against Australia and we were relatively lucky. Um, yeah. It was a relatively cool, soft yeah. penalty for the first goal and then a stupid handball and penalty for their goal. And then it was pretty late on that, as usual, the unsung hero Giroud sort of made a goal for, for Pogba. Mm. Um, I feel like this match is... This first match is massive. Yeah, if, if France win it, then they can relax and not have to win against Denmark in the second match. If they don't, then that puts a lot of pressure on the Danish match. And I think yeah, Denmark, you know, just look at that. Apart from sort of recent past, look at that. I just Denmark's midfield is, I think, has the potential to run rings around France's and, and I really worry. If thought- France don't win that first match, I'm really worried. Yeah, and like you, I, I I fancy Denmark to go quite deep in this tournament potentially. I don't know why, I just have a feeling. And um, the concern there would be is if they win the group, I think that then means that France could potentially have Argentina in the second round if they finish second. So, yeah, um, concerning. We we will go into that in a bit more depth because we'll probably be closer. Well, we will literally be on the doorstep of the game next week, so we will be doing a pod uh, either Monday or, well, I imagine we will do it on a Monday because they kick off on the Tuesday. So we will cover that in a bit more depth when no doubt we'll have a bit more um, idea on the starting lineups, et cetera. But hopefully, hopefully all goes according to plan. Um, where can we, can we listen to that podcast? Jess? Is it available to anyone if they want to go and have a listen to that? Yes, it's, um, we can put the link on the, where we put our link, but it's, yeah. Um, we global football. So if you go to at we underscore global. And is that we as in W-E, not yeah. O-U-I? Cool. Okay. So we we football. Okay. We global football. Perfect. So have a listen to that. But yeah, as just says, we will put that into the show notes um, when we send it across to Phil to do her thing with it. So that is that then. We are going to draw a line under the first term of the school year in France. Uh, this is the break now until late, well, sort of mid, mid-December. mid It will be all French-focused from here on in. Uh, myself and Jez, uh, hopefully Phil, depending on uh, circumstances, will be back next week to talk about France. And I think the plan is we might try and uh, grab a guest or two on uh, throughout the tournament, assuming it goes on, you know, as long as we hope it does. If we're all out in the first round, then we just won't ever pod again and go into the hiding because that's what we do. Uh, but all jokes aside, we will be back next week to preview the uh, the World Cup as a tournament and indeed talk a bit more France. Uh, so until then, just thank you for your uh, sharing your thoughts on every team for their halftime reports. And um, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you next week. And As always, uh, enjoy your French football planning because now it is all about the World Cup. Until next week, look after yourselves and we'll speak to you very soon.